Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 3, Term 2. This is Lesson 14. We are going to pick up on page 21. Uh, We're going to look at the transcending... uh, Oh, never mind. We're going to look at John chapter 4, verse 27. (laughs) Forget the title. All right. (laughs) We just left off at the place where Jesus has revealed himself to this Samaritan woman. And we come to verse 27, and we see God's timing in all of this. So with the affirmation of Jesus' Messiahship, what remained was the effect all this had on the Samaritans, and the surprise of the disciples themselves, including the writer of this gospel, all right, which is John, of seeing Jesus talking with a woman. And so it says in John chapter 4, verse 27, And at this point his disciples came. Now, I've given you a list of the disciples, I think, down the bottom there. Because he hasn't chosen 12 yet. Okay, so it's just a few of them at the moment still following him around. Every time I read that, I think 12, but it isn't true yet. Now, they come and they notice. Now, I've said here, notice the perfect timing of God. The disciples arrived only after Jesus had finished his conversation with the woman. Can I say this as well? If you ever were able to understand how Jesus' mind worked, how he balanced what he was doing with what he knew, I would almost guarantee he knew the disciples were on their way. He knew how much time he had before they turned up. Do you understand? Can you take that side of it as well? All right. <clears throat> as much as, even though we may not know that, God will sort out the timing when we're busy doing his work. Amen? But we can't ignore the fact or or overlook the fact that Jesus is God as well. And he has knowledge into things. He knew the hearts of people. He knew what was going on. He told um, Nathaniel, he said, I saw you under the tree. You know, and how? Okay, he knew things. He just knew. And you know something? That's meant to be for us too. It said that the Spirit will come and tell you of things to come. He will let you know what's going on in your life. Now, He's not going to tell on everybody's life. Did you hear what Jamie did? I don't need to know. <laughs> okay? It will be for my life, where I'm going, what's going on. He'll let me know. And, that's, that, and that is a sense of, I guess, well-being that we have. That we have an, a, an inkling of what's going on in our life. Now, sometimes you don't even realize you're doing that. Let me give you some keys to unlocking that. Those times when you think of someone, and you start to reminisce, and you think, geez, I wonder if I should give them a call. And you call them, and they go, I was just thinking about you. And I was going to call you, or whatever. You know, whatever the situation is, there you go. God's talking to you. He's letting you know. You know, I, I remember this lady giving a testimony once. She said how, uh, she's a minister of God. She said how she was thinking of this friend of hers and started reminiscing about her. And it was a bit of a sad story. And um, she thought about it. And, 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 you know, she just went down memory lane for a while. And, and about two weeks later, her mom called up and said, Do you remember so and so? She goes, Yeah, actually, I was thinking about her two weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. She said, Oh, she died, you know, anorexic. And it was about two weeks ago she took a turn for the worst. And God had then she realized that God had brought that person to her memory for her to pray. Uh, see, 
God is talking to us constantly. And if we pay attention, there will be very few things that take us by surprise. Because He'll let us, unless they're nice things. You know, if you're going to throw a surprise party, then God doesn't come and say, by the way, they're going to give you a surprise party. Okay, that's, <laughs> okay? that's not going to happen. All right? Isn't it interesting how He'll hold some things back from you? Unless it's going to be a problem to you. Some surprise parties are a bigger surprise to the person that gives it than to the person that receives it. Uh, then he'll talk. All right. <laughs> for, the person, for the sake of the person giving the surprise party. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. All right. So the person doesn't bite their head off. All right. So, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not everybody likes a surprise party. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, getting back to this. How are we getting on surprise parties? <laughs> It's about it It's about foreknowledge. It's about us being able to pick up on things. And you don't have to have a crystal ball and you don't have to be all weird about it. It's just something that should be just happening. We should be moving through this life. As soon as we get saved, we get plugged into something that opens us right up to all kinds of things. Amen? And the reason that you come to Bible college, the reason that you go to church should be so that somebody can explain what is actually going on in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that you pay attention to the things that now are going on in your life and the things that are happening that never happened before. That you don't ignore them. That people, you don't allow people to convince you, oh no, that's just in your head. It isn't. It's in your spirit. Amen? Something is happening. You have been opened up to a a realm now that knows no time and knows what is coming based on the decisions that people are making right now and how it will change. You know, sometimes you get a bad feeling about something and then it will change. Do you know why? Because the person that was going to do that thing changed their mind. Amen. And you need to know that. You need to know that that wasn't just, oh, I was just imagining it because it's gone now. No, it's been averted. Anyway, okay, moving on. Let's get back to this. And it says, <laughs> I love this. And they marveled that he talked with a woman. My goodness. And, <laughs> and probably discerned that she was a woman of questionable repute. Okay, they probably looked at her, how she was dressed and all, and why she was at the well at that time. Hey, these are, these are not stupid people. You know what I'm trying to say? They're going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> yet, <laughs> there's a yet in here, no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? <laughs> Nobody, are you kidding? They all looked at, you know who they were looking at? Peter. <laughs> Big mouth, are you going to say something? You know, because, okay, you always open your mouth. Peter's probably looking at think, oh, I ain't saying nothing about this, forget about it. I, I'm not that stupid. Okay. <laughs> now it's interesting that those two questions were actually brought up. And I'll discuss that in just a minute. Now the reason his disciples were so amazed at the fact that Jesus was talking to a woman was because of a rabbinical rule that existed at the time that stated, these are rabbis, okay, their, their rules, okay, that stated emphatically, a man shall not be alone with a woman in an inn, not even with his sister or his daughter, on account of what men may think. A man shall not talk with a woman in the street, not even with his own wife. This is how ridiculous it had got. And especially not with another woman, on account of what men may say. Notice, think and say. 
Alright, they used to live their whole life based on what are they going to think, what are they going to say. What does that tell you about it? It was a very selfish, self-centered life. It's all about me, my reputation, how people are going to see me. Are you getting this? Okay, you need to be careful when people start talking about, oh, you know, you need to be careful how that's going to be perceived and stuff. It's like, hang on a second. I'm not that important. If I need to help somebody out, who cares what they think? And if they're thinking that's their sin, not mine. Amen? Amen? Now, if the Lord speaks to you and says something isn't right about something, that's different. But mostly it isn't the Lord. Mostly it's just people's suspicion. Okay, amen. All right. And you know, I've always found that if it is the Lord, then He will speak to you and give you the right thing to say as well. Are you all here? All right. So notice how one action gets people thinking, the other action gets them talking. I want you to notice that, okay? And they both proceed from evil imaginings. And according to Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If that's what you think, then that's who you are. That's, that tells us the sort of person you are. Amen? Alright. Therefore, to decide to live by this rule is to show that you are more concerned about what people think and say than about doing God's work. And that proceeds from an evil in itself, specifically the evil of selfishness. And that too is wrong. Alright. I don't need to comment on any of that. I can move on. Leon Morris writes, Though the disciples were astonished, they did not question the action of the woman or that of their master. They had learned enough to know that while Jesus did not always respect the conventions of the rabbis, he had good reasons for what he did. In this case, to quietly teach them that before God, the soul of a woman is no less precious than that of a man. Amen. See, you think about the rules that they made about not talking and not conversing and not interacting and everything else. And we need to be really careful. The reason why we don't want to go talk to someone. If the Lord is leading, go. Yeah, but they don't worry, just go. It'll sort itself out. Amen. If he's not leading, I don't care how good you think it's going to be. Back off. Don't go there. See, that's another thing that we do wrong. We make determinations about things, and they're not always right. Can I give you a little secret to, doing, to, to, to living a life that... Not without... You'll never have a life without problems, okay? I'm sorry to say that. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation in this world. It's going to happen, dude. I mean, you know, forget about becoming a Christian and everything works out. No, becoming a Christian gives you power gives you authority over situation, gives you access to a whole other realm that can counteract a realm you can't see that is coming against you. That's what it does. It doesn't stop pro- trouble from coming away, but gee, it, lo- it gives you a gun and puts all the bullets in it. Yes. <laughs> okay? And in time you learn how to shoot and, and actually hit what you're okay, aiming for. <laughs> okay? Alright, so... <laughs> that's what it does. And we need to understand that. So we need to understand that, you know, there will be, <laughs> there will be times when we, we need to do stuff. But understand something. You can know from God. See, the way you make determinations, and this is what the, the point I want to make is this. Before you decide to do something, check whether you should decide to do something. 
There are some things you just need to keep walking past. There are other things you shouldn't walk past. Listen to me. You don't make the decision. Check with God straight away. Yes or no? Don't ask yourself, does it look okay for me to do something? Don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. Because you don't know enough. You need to straight away ask God, yes or no? If He says yes, then start thinking about it. Do you, do you, did you get what I just said? If you get it, it's going to really help you. Even if, even if it's a situation that gets a bit sticky, if God asks you to get involved, there's going to be something good come out of it. Amen? And it won't be one of those things that He has to turn, you know, that was made for your bad, to your good, and all that. Just, okay, we can skip over all of that. Alright? It'd be just God saying, do this. And you go, okay. And then if it goes wrong, you know you heard God. Persist. Don't back off. Amen? Okay. So, <clears throat> just wanted to say that and just kind of move on here. Alright. <clears throat> Even though the disciples did well to restrain themselves here, in time to come, they will not always do so well. And have such unwavering faith toward their master, sadly, okay? Like the incident with the storm in Mark chapter 4, when they accused him of not caring. Remember that part? Okay, so, so it's not going to be all rosy yet. At this point in time, they're, they're willing to just take everything he does as right. Okay, just out of interest, because remember the questions were thrown in there. Had they gone ahead and asked him their question first, what do you seek? His answer to them would have been to receive physical water. Because would, you know, they would have said, how come you're talking to the woman, what's going on here? He would have told them, he would have said, listen, I was thirsty, I needed some water, you guys are in town. Okay, alright, so that would have been the first thing. Second, why are you talking with her? His answer would have been to give her living water. Remember, that's what, that would have, that would have been a blessing to them. They would have gone, okay, what? <laughs> okay. In his commentary, Arkent Hughes says, that the Lord gives us some unforgettable instruction on what it is to have a ministering heart. Not just in relationship to women, but in relationship to all people. Let me just stop here for a minute, okay? A ministering heart. Okay, a heart that is looking to minister to people. Do you know that you guys do that already? You may not realize it, but you already do this. When you see somebody in trouble, you have learned enough in this church not to worry about what people are going to think. You have learned enough to go and sit down and say, What's up? Are you alright? Is there something you can do to help? Do you know that's a ministering heart? Absolutely. You don't sit there and go, oh, if I go and sit there, what are they going to think? And you know, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, you, I pray that that never even enters your mind. That you see a problem and you want to go deal with it straight away. You ask God, what can we do to help? Amen? All right. <clears throat> Moving on. In doing so, He gives us the secret to what our approach to life ought to be if we are followers of Christ. Amen? That's the way we are meant to be. We look to help. Like I said, be spirit-led. And so it goes in the saying, John chapter 4, verses 28 and 29. The woman, now I've got a lot of notes. 
<laughs> the verse itself isn't that many words, but there's a lot of stuff in here. So let me just, uh, there's some places I don't want to stop. So I just want to just give you as we go so that the flow isn't lost, all right? The woman then left her water pot because, as Hendrickson points out, has not the Lord made it very clear to her that true worship is essentially spiritual in nature and that it is the same for all individuals, whether they be Jews or Samaritan? Why then should a Jew hesitate to drink from a Samaritan vessel? Therefore, he says, she purposely leaves the jar at the well so that Jesus may use it to quench his thirst knowing that she will be able to retrieve her pitcher on her return. She's coming back. So she left it there so that he could have his drink. She had something exciting to say. She needed to do something, yeah? And so she went on her way into the city. Now, McDonald says whenever a person is saved, he or she immediately begins to think of others who are in need of the water of life. And said to the men, notice she's still not talking to the women. I think that's really interesting. It didn't say she said to the men and the women, she just went to the men, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, they throw the water pot at her. And <laughs> it said, come and see a man who told me all things. <laughs> Alright? And I added the words that really matter. You know, you can rattle on about things that really don't matter. But what he said to her mattered. Amen? Alright, so that's why I put that in there. So, and that's the, that's the heart behind this verse. Come see a man who told me all things that really mattered, that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, as William MacDonald points out, doubtless this woman as well, <laughs> was well known in the village for her sin and shame. Okay, How startling it must have been for the people to see her standing in the public places now, Bearing public witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is a woman that would just not be seen in public. Remember, the time she goes to the well is the time when there's very few okay, people around. Now she's standing in front of everybody. It's, it's something really interesting. The courage that comes with a clean heart. I think a lot of times that we... hesitate to do what God has called us to do is because we're questioning whether we are right before God. And if we're not right, then are we going to fail in what He's asked us to do? Because there's something in our life that's going to get in the way of what He's asked us to do. Did you get that? Okay. It's really important that you get this. That's why I keep saying to you, He's not looking for perfect people. Alright? He's just looking for transparent. Truth in spirit and in truth. Not perfection. Do you hear what I'm saying? Can I give you this piece of advice? If, if ever God is called to do something and you feel that to do something, and if ever the thought comes, yeah, but... You know, I'm not perfect. Stop there. Stop there and remember what I'm about to say to you. 1 John 1, 9. If we acknowledge or confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Forgive us and cleanse us. Which means no trace of it is left on you of all unrighteousness. 
And as soon as you get past that point, you are, you are honest before God, and you say, I'm really sorry for anything that I've done to get in the way of what I'm about to do. Get rid of it. Lord, I'm just dropping it at the cross, at the foot of the cross right now. You paid the price for it. It was more than enough. I'm sorry for the things that I did that were stupid, that was not, and, and then there were some things I did that I knew I was doing the wrong thing, and I did it anyway. Okay, transparency. You understand what I'm trying to say? Get it over and done with. And just say, I'm so sorry, God, and I don't want to get in. I don't want my sin and me thinking about me getting in the way of how you want to bless this person right now. So, (laughs) okay, (laughs) to honor you and to do the right thing by them, I'm going to forget about me. And I'm going to listen to you. And let's go do this thing. And when it works, I won't misconstrue this, for I can live, live a sinful life and carry on and still be successful, nor am I going to construe this as a, oh, I'm so amazing. <laughs> okay? I'm going to realize how amazing you are and how you can work through anyone as long as we're willing. That's it. All glory to you. Amen? Okay, so we go in like that. We're good. Hallelujah. All right. Moving on. John MacArthur says that her witness and candor regarding her own life so impressed them that they came to see Jesus for themselves. They would have just been looking and going, are you kidding? This woman is preaching to us? Isn't it interesting that they didn't turn and walk off? Do you know why? There's an anointing on her now. I told you, I told you there's something about an anointing. Jesus has just spoken words of life into her. That life has exploded in her. She has gone with that to the town. Okay? Don't miss this. Alright? Just the way he gave power for them to cast out demons. When he speaks to you, it has a life to it. And when you speak that back out, people receive that life. And they go, there's something happening here. There's something true about this. So when she opened her... Think about this now. Woman of questionable reputation, is talking about God. Hello? Like who is going to listen to her? And yet, they all do. I'm, I'm sure there's one or two that kind of walked off. They're lost. Uh, they're going to see him in a minute anyway. Okay, because this thing isn't going to end at the well, alright? Alright, so... <laughs> also notice... The way that this woman formulates her question to the, the, to the people she spoke to. Instead of insisting that others share her own revelation, she invites people to come and see for themselves and make up their own minds about who this man is who told her all things that she ever did. That is a key there. Be careful that you aren't trying to talk for God too much. Sometimes you need to understand that the experience that people are going to have when they receive the Lord is going to speak for itself. 
that you're not going to have to convince them somehow and then convince them and convince them for the rest of their life. If you are the one that gets them saved, if it is not the Lord but you, somehow with your you know, um, great uh, ability to counteract their questions and if they say this, then you say that, and you know, all that sort of stuff, okay, then you're going to have to do that for the rest of their life and yours. That's not a good relationship. What you need to do is say, come and see. You receive this and see what happens. If nothing happens, fine. It's because you're not Lord. That's when you say to God, this is, this is your problem. I'll bring him to you, you do the rest, thank you very much. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. That's why there's a church necessary. Because the person that gets him saved shouldn't be the person that they become dependent on. It should be just the person that introduced them to the person they're going to become dependent on, and that is God. And we as a church then teach them about that person. Do you understand? And how to walk and, and, and be the sort of Christian that God's looking for. See, again, what does it keep coming back to? See, that's, that's what we sometimes miss this. What does it keep coming back to? Your relationship with God, not the church, but with God. We keep saying that, but then we get it wrong in the front end. Do you, you see what I'm trying to say? If the person is the one that convinced you to come, come in, then it wasn't God. It was the person. Now, yeah, God uses people, but ultimately it needs to be that God, that you had an experience with God Himself. That's the difference between somebody actually getting born again and just getting converted, so to speak. Now, converted is not a bad word, and the Bible uses it, but you know what I'm trying to say, in the, in the wrong sense, yeah? The, relation, the, the, the reason I'm the way I am is because I had an experience with God. Billy Graham introduced me to him, but I knew him. Do you understand? And because of that, I built on that relationship. And then when people said, oh, he's like this, I said, no, he's not. That's not, no. No, what are you talking about? And then I re- realized there's a difference between religion and reality. What people say about God and what God's really like. Amen. And I'm running out of time. I need to hurry up. All right, let's, let's move on. I'm sorry I'm, I'm sharing so much with you. These things are very close to my heart, and I, and I don't want to just race through them. All right. <clears throat> So let's, let's get back to this. And uh, no, you know what? <laughs> Let me just say this. The reason I'm telling you this is because the time is coming. And remember, I told you we need to do this in order to get ready for what God has for full life. We're not going to be like this forever. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is, this, is, this is for you and for me. This is a quiet time for you to come and get the word without 600 people hanging off of you. And it's a quiet time for me to study without 600 people calling me up all through the day. Okay, I'm just telling you, okay? Because it's a lot of work to get through this. But we have to get through this in order to, to build a firm foundation upon which then we can launch forward and do what God wants us to do. Amen? With the mind of Christ and with His power operating in our life unhindered. Amen. So that we can deal with every situation that comes across the way Jesus dealt with it, not the way all the counselors deal with it and all the psychiatrists and psychologists deal with it, but the way God dealt with it. 
Do you get what I'm saying? That's, that's, a re- that's why I'm studying everything. See, that, that's why I'm not teaching the life of Christ in, he went here, he did that, he walked on water, he changed that. I'm, I'm, whenever we hit somewhere where he teaches something, we deal with that. Because you need to understand what he was talking about, why he did the things he did. There were reasons behind everything he did. Amen. And when he stops to teach something, it's because of something that has just happened. And he's going to straighten it all out and explain what has just gone on. So that the disciples get a handle on it. So how can we do the life of Jesus and not actually talk about what he taught? Because then he is about to explain what, what, how we need to see what just happened. And what the right view of it is, and so that we can do the right thing. Okay. So... Okay, now that we're all on the same page. <laughs> Not that we aren't. Alright, back to this. Of course it worked with John chapter 4 verse 30 going to say that they went out of the city okay, and begun their walk to Jacob's well while Jesus was still conversing with his disciples and came to him. So that gives you a little bit more insight. Okay, Alright, take note of this verse because it is this particular crowd that Jesus will point to and say in verse 35, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready, already white for harvest. He is going to look at this group. He's going to look at, talk to his disciples in view of this group. Okay? And say, do you understand that these people have been ready to hear the word? And nobody has come. It's not going to be like that everywhere. Okay, because people look at this, you know, this is evangelist's favorite verse. You know, they say, it's wide unto harvest. You go door knocking or something, they slam the door in your face. Uh, that wasn't wide unto harvest. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not everything is. Alright, so we need to, again, the reason why we are watching, we're going to do this so that you can see when Jesus said something, when it was applicable, when it's not. So we can use right scripture in right places. Amen? Rightly divide the word. And then we're going to get mad with God. Alright. So, <laughs> which tells us that there must have been a considerable, considerable group on its way to see Jesus. Alright? Continuing on to verse 31, it says, in the mean, He's actually going to see them coming. Alright? And He's going to say that. Alright? So, verse 31. In the, in the meantime, His disciples urged Him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now, <laughs> remember again from John 4, 8, the whole purpose of the disciples tripped into the village was to go and get some food. Okay? And now on their return, they wanted Jesus to have something to eat. So they're saying, we got your food, eat. Yeah, the McDonald's are getting cold. Alright? So, <laughs> however, what they are aware of was the marvelous encounter that had just taken place and the magnitude of the miracle that was about to result from it. It hasn't finished yet. This is a small intermission. To get it just because she left doesn't mean it finished. Alright. The salvation of an entire city and a Samaritan one at that. that. That's what's coming. That's the reason it goes in the same in John 4.32. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. He wasn't saying, I don't need to eat food. See, again, we take this out of context. Alright, he's saying, boys, something is going on right now. Let me put it to you this way. When you are doing God's work, it's very fulfilling. And while other people might say, let's go and do this, you think, no, don't get in my way. I'm in the middle of something. Let me finish this. There's something going on. You know, 
You know, you're in a prayer time and God's talking to you marvelously and, you know, somebody says, Dinner! Forget about it! Not right now, thank you. Okay? Not that you won't eat, it's just not right now. Some, you are receiving food, there is something else going on right now. Amen? Alright. And so, this is the reason why he says, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Or I have sustenance of which you have no knowledge of. Jesus makes a statement to, statement to firstly, try and direct the disciples' attention to higher matters. By using the circumstances, circumstances to teach them something of his own priorities. And secondly, to show them that his need for physical food is superseded by the intense satisfaction which he received in bringing the Samaritan woman out of the darkness and into the light. Amen? But his disciples are going to miss the point, And he's going to say, therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? They're going, how come he's full? I thought, we're the ones who to get him food. And now he's, he's saying, I don't need this food. See, they misunderstood that. And we're going to stop there because we're going to we, we, this, we finish our session. We'll pick it up here because this is going to now take us to, he's going to talk about his food. All right? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. This is a very big thought. Okay? And then he's going to start explaining things uh, to them. Alright, so I, I don't want to go into that right now because we, we have run out of time and I don't want to rush into that. Okay. <laughs> Remember I told you once before, when you are fasting and praying, the fasting part should be because you just don't want to stop praying. It shouldn't be because you're forcing yourself not to eat. Did you get what I said? Now, there is a time when you make a decision to fast. Okay, but what should normally be happening is if you're fasting, if you're praying and you're not wanting to eat because something is going on, God is talking to you and you just don't want to stop. And you get such a sense of fullness on the inside of you because it's something incredible when God talks to you. You know, it talks at Hebrews 12, 4.12 talks about that, that word being alive. You don't realize it comes with so much sustenance. It's just, you just feel like you just don't need anything. And it's almost like, do I have to eat kind of thing. That's when you know that you're fasting and praying in line with God's will. Amen? That you are putting heavenly things first. You're putting God first. And then when you get hungry, okay, it's cool. But don't when you're in a place like that and, and, and you just want to continue on and you feel the pull of God, don't go, oh, break time God, I'll come back after lunch. Trust me, it won't be the same. Amen? Jesus is, is bringing that out when he says, you don't know. I've got food that you have no knowledge of. Amen. And we, that is the food that we are to feed our spirits with. We are so diligent feeding our body, but we don't feed our spirit. And we wonder how come things aren't working out so well. Well, we're having trouble laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. Because you're spiritually weak. You need to feed. Amen? And it comes by hearing. You know, you don't have to study and study and study because that takes a lot of effort. Hearing doesn't. You can receive it. You can put your little earpluggies in and listen to the word. Find somebody you like. If I annoy you, find somebody you like. Put them in and just listen and let that person minister the word to you. Amen? And then God will talk over it. 
Hallelujah. And that's the part you want to hear. Praise God. All right, we're going to leave it there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, and finish for today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father.